Hi there. Welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy that you tuned in. Please join us today as we continue our series through the book of Matthew. Hello, thank you for engaging with us today online here at Branch Life Church. My name is Scott, and I'm one of the pastors of the church. We're beginning a new series entitled Church Matters, and it's all about why the church is God's plan for you and for our world. The reality is that what you're doing right now by engaging with us here on this platform matters to God. We invite you to enter in, to worship, to listen to God's word, and to participate as you're able. If you'd like to make giving part of your worship, you can do that at our website, branchlife.church give. The first thing that you'll hear today is an interview and a conversation between myself and another one of the pastors, Pastor Bill, and it will kind of set the stage for our time together in God's word. Hello, I'm Pastor Scott, and I want to welcome you to Branch Life Church's mini-series on the theme, Church Matters. Church matters in our lives, it matters to God, and it's His plan for you and for our world. It's also, we're going to be talking about, in kind of big terms, kind of some of the, the matters of our church here at Branch Life as we continue to get established as a new church. And today we're going to have a conversation with Pastor Bill here at church. Many of you may know Pastor Bill primarily as the guy who says hello to you in the parking lot. So, Pastor Bill, help us know a little bit before we get started and dive into our conversation. Help us to know about your family, your ministry career, and uh, let us know a little bit about you for those of us that only know you as the greeter in the parking lot. Well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to our church about the church matters to God and church matters to us. Uh, I have been a pastor for many, many, many years, and I had the opportunity to be at High Point Baptist Chapel in Geigertown, Pennsylvania for over 40 years. After leaving there in 2003, I had the privilege of being an interim pastor in six different churches here on the East Coast which was a very interesting time in our life and a very enjoyable time. Obviously, recently, I've been helping here at Branch. Uh, I have five children, uh, daughters Brenda, Jamie, and Karis in their age categories, and then Josh and Jared, who are twins. And then we obviously have some grandchildren running around the church once in a while. And so that's uh, what our life has been circled around. Uh, centered on for many, many, many years, mainly ministry. Uh, for the last 18 years, I've been leading trips to South America to help uh, build camps for kids in Chile, uh, Uruguay, and Argentina. And this year, we're just going to Texas because of COVID. So that gives you a little idea of what, uh, who I am and what we do. Great. So I know, uh, Pastor Bill, uh, we're relying on your experience and your commitment to the Bible. Help us 
know how does God and his word help us know that the church is a big deal? Yeah, it certainly is a big deal. That's a great word, Scott, to describe God's perspective. I have my Bible open here on this table, and I have it open to the table of contents. Uh, we realize that's not inspired by God, but it does tell us the different books of the Bible. If you happen to have a Bible in your hand, you could open that to the table of contents. I'd like to point something out to you quite quickly. Uh, because what we're dealing with is just simply a, a short overview of the Bible and how the local church and the, the church of God is featured in God's Word. Uh, as you move through the entire Old Testament, it's difficult to find references to what we call the church. But when we move to the New Testament, things change drastically. When I mean drastically, I mean drastically. In fact... If you have your table of contents open, uh, you'll notice that there are 27 books there. Some name people, some name cities, and each one has a different aspect and a different emphasis, but most of them say something about the church. And so when we talk about the church mattering, and we look at these 27 books, we can very quickly see that 22 of them have something to say about God, the church, and how much it matters. For example, in a few minutes we'll look at the book of Matthew. We'll see two passages that Christ presents to us about the church. So Matthew would be obviously number one. Through this list, you'll find out that the Apostle Paul penned what we call the epistles. And a lot of those epistles were directly sent to local churches in the form of a letter to help them in the formation of their church and the continuation of the church. And then you see that a lot of them have names of people. And those people who are named were people who were leaders in the church and God's inspired word was helping the church, uh, the churches through its leaders to accomplish what God wanted them to, to be and to do. And... All of them are saying, very simply, the church matters. Uh, there's a second area beside the overview of many of the books in the New Testament, and that's just simply the word church. Uh, I was surprised many, many years ago reading the, a book about the church that the author said that there were 115 times the word church was used in the New Testament. Frankly, that startled me. We did not look at all 115 verses of where it is used, but we looked at an awful lot of them. And as we moved through them, we saw very clearly that the church is something significant to God, and it's over and over and ago referenced. In fact, of the 115 times, 110 times is referring to what we call the local church. Now you have to understand that the word church means assembly. The Greek word means to be called out. So a hundred times in the New Testament, the word is used in making reference to the assembly, to the gathering, to the calling out of people uh, from the world to the church as a place to worship and a place to pray. It's interesting that there are five times in the New Testament, that 
the word church, refers to a, the worldwide church of God. And as we sit here at this very minute, uh, we think of the churches in Haiti that maybe are having difficulty because of what's happened there. Or the churches that hardly exist in Pac uh, Afghanistan, uh, but there are believers there. And you go from China to Russia, to go from California to New York, all over the world. The church of God is represented by those five words that are used in the New Testament. Uh, we need to understand something. As much as the church matters to us, as much as the church matters to God, the church also matters to Satan. But it's not a good thing. It's not that he loves it and promotes it, he hates it. You see, hate, Satan hates God's word. Satan hates God's church. Satan hates Christ. And as we move in our lives, we need to win the battle that Satan is always pushing propaganda toward us not to be involved in what God wants us to be involved in, and that's the church of God. You see, uh, Satan uses this pluralistic, secular culture to detour us and to make us go the wrong way, not the right way. But we're here to tell you today that the church matters. Great. Uh, Pastor Bill, you, you mentioned it, but I want to make sure that, that we highlight it as we go through there. We're sitting here in a church building, but a church building is not the same as what you were talking about, correct? Absolutely. Uh, we get very confused at times about what the church is. And it's nice that we can sit here in a building and use it, but the building is not the church. And when I use the word called out, it's calling out people. When I use the word assemble, it's people assembling to gather and to worship God. Good. And so part of that assembling and part of that calling out is that, that God has a purpose in doing that. And we could talk about that. There's probably many purposes, but the one that we're focusing this weekend on is the mission of the church. And so what, what is God's purpose for the church? What is the mission for our church? Recently in our church, we've been having a series on the book of Matthew. Mm -hmm. And the emphasis has been that we need to be followers of Jesus Christ. It's very appropriate for me to introduce you to two passages of Scripture, both in Matthew, that help answer the question, uh, what's God's assignment for the church? What's God's mission for the church? Uh, what does God want the church to be and to do? Uh, and I'd love for you to open your Bibles if you have it handy, and you may have already memorized it. Uh, but the first passage of Scripture is found in Matthew chapter 18. 16, excuse me, in Matthew chapter 16. And we don't have the time to go into the entire paragraph, so I'll just read you a little bit of verse 18. It says this, I tell you, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. That's the Lord Jesus Christ talking. He's talking in the context of there was discussion about who he is and what he was doing. And they said very clearly that he is the, the son of the living God. And Jesus talked to Peter and said, Peter, you're so right in what you're saying. 
And then he went into a, this short segment of scriptures that talks about the church in a very, very special way, as far as I'm concerned. And notice what it says again. I tell you, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Uh, there are several things I want you to notice. I want you to little, notice the little word my that appears twice here. He said, I will build my church. And any church that gathers anywhere in the world, it's not that pastor's church or the community's church, it's Christ's church. So we can say that the church belongs to Christ. He said, it's my church. But not only did he say that, he talked about, I will build my church. It's an interesting metaphor. Because we understand very clearly from that that Christ is the originator of the church, that Christ is the architect of the church, that Christ is the contractor, the builder of the church. I will build my church. Notice that it's a prophecy and a promise. It also says the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. In other words, the church of God is indestructible. The church of God is is invincible. There's no one that can destroy the church of God as far as Christ is concerned. And he's making reference to the, the body of Christ, the group that, that are gathering around the world many, many Sundays, that that is an indestructible, indestructible group. It's interesting, he says to Peter, it sometimes becomes very controversial, he said to him, upon this rock, and I'd like to even illustrate it. Christ is talking, and he said, Peter, upon this rock, pointing to himself, telling him that Jesus Christ is not only the owner of the church and the creator of the church, the protector of the church, uh, but he's the foundation of the church, that everything that the church is built upon is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the church matters to you, matters to me, matters to Branch Life Church and matters to us today as we're thinking about our church and how the church matters. Uh, there's a second portion of scripture that answers the question based on what I've just said on the assignment that Jesus Christ gives. And that assignment is found in Matthew chapter 28. If you have a Bible in front of you, you may be able to turn to it and look at it. I hope you're super, super familiar with it. And if you haven't marked it out in your Bible, I challenge you even right now to take that pen or that pencil and highlight it and underline it so every time you get to Matthew chapter 28, you can see it. But I think highlighting in the scriptures these truths that talk about why the church matters is very critical that we do not forget what the Word of God says. Uh, we're talking about the great command. We're talking about the great command that comes from the resurrected Savior. We're talking about the great command that tells us the mission, the church, what God wants us to accomplish. Uh, let me just read it to you as I have it written. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. A most significant portion of Scripture that tells us very, very clearly 
that if we as a church are going to glorify God, we need to glorify God by obeying and living by the very simple statement here, go ye therefore, here it is, make disciples. Uh, I coined a little phrase years ago, what does make disciples mean? Uh, to me it means uh, birthing babes and building saints. That people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior when they hear the gospel and they place their trust in Jesus Christ. And then they begin a process of education and learning that they become mature believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a, is a pupil. A disciple is an apprentice. And as we look through the scriptures, believe it or not, the word church appears 115 times in the New Testament. The word disciple appears over 250 times. It's amazing how much time that, that word is used. You say, what, what, what is a disciple? Well, it's one who is doing the will of God. It's one who is a follower of Jesus Christ. It's one who is practicing Christ-likeness. You say, what are we supposed to do as a church? As a church, we are to be involved in winning people to, to Christ. We are to be involved in training people to be followers of Christ. Out of your experience and, and that, as you look to the future, and if Branch Life, with God's help, was to remain on task and remain committed to that mission, what could the future look like? What, what types of things would we be doing? What types of things would we be getting involved, both locally and then potentially around the world? It's obvious as you read one of these chapters and one of these books in the Bible called the book of Acts uh, that the, the local churches were not stagnant, that the local churches were growing, that the local churches were spreading out. And as you read through the book of Acts and see the impact of the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you also see these, the words often, and the Lord added, uh, and, and, and there were more saints, and, and, and the church was multiplied. And so as I look at the book of Acts as kind of a history of the church and, and a sort of a, a, a manual in planning churches, I use these two words, that, that the local church is a place where there is spiritual reproduction, where people are born again into the body of Christ, into the church of God, and that people, as the scripture said moments ago, need to be baptized and need to be taught. And, and as they're going through that particular process, uh, they're, they're, they're growing in the Lord and growing in being a disciple and carrying out this command to make disciples. But we're talking about what about the future of Branch Life Church? Well, none of us have a, uh, some type of a map that says this is what's going to happen. But I can tell you a couple of things that I think are concerning and critical. A building is a distraction. Uh, maybe an added program like a Christian school is, is, is a, a distraction. And so there are many things that detour us or move us only slightly away from this whole idea of making disciples, birthing babes, building saints, 
and birthing those babes and building those saints so they come be part of God's family. And at the end of five years, the next five years, we do the exact same thing. As I pastored a church for over 40 years, uh, we looked in 10-year increments of our church. And we would evaluate every 10 years, where have we been? What have we been doing? Have we grown numerically? Have we grown spiritually? Are, are we reaching other cities? Are we reaching other countries? Are we doing what God has asked us to do by making disciples? And if you heard me a minute ago read Matthew chapter 28, it said, make disciples in all nations, not just the United States of America. So the future of Branch Life Church will be, be dependent upon our leadership. The future of Branch Life Church will be dependent upon our people. That the leadership and the people never grow old of hearing about making disciples, presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, seeing people come to know Christ, and in the future, planning another church. And maybe in another church. And then another church. Why? Because the book of Acts talks about reproduction, people coming to know Christ, and multiplication. It happening over and over and over again. The future for branch life is bright if the leadership and the people always keep in front of them that we glorify God when we are disciple makers, that we glorify God when we're reaching out beyond our building to see people come to know the Lord. Great. Thank you, Pastor Bill. I hope that you've gotten a sense a little bit of why the church matters to God and why it should matter to you. We invite you to keep engaging today as we consider God's word some more and over the next few weeks in this series, Church Matters. It's always interesting hearing parents' stories of, of where they got their kids' names from. Rumor has it, if I was going to be a girl, my name would have been Esty. I think I'm glad I'm a boy, and I know I'm glad I'm a boy, and I'm glad my name is Scott. But uh, as we thought about our kids' names and, and what we would name them, we wanted them to, to be meaningful, to be nice, that we liked, but, but they that they would have a purpose. The names of our kids are Torah Grace is our oldest, Asher John Russell, and Naomi Anastasia. And Torah kind of started out of a pattern that we had in our family of having an Old Testament name connected with a New Testament name. Now, admittedly, we first thought of the name Torah when we heard it of a winter Olympian from Australia. I believe she's a snowboarder, and we tucked that kind of in the, the back of our mind several years ago before she was born. And, and so that might be a nice name to have. But then we thought, okay, we need to think about what is the meaning and the, the purpose of these names? So for our kids, this is kind of what that looks like. Torah is named, her first name is the law. It's an Old Testament way to refer to the law, the first five books of the Bible. And you can't have law then without grace, the New Testament idea. And so we have kind of the whole Bible wrapped up in her name. Our son, our next oldest, is Asher John Russell. Asher means happy or, or blessed. And John is a, is a version that came through from Hebrew originally and then Greek and now English, but it, it has to do again with God's grace. 
And then Russell got thrown in at the last minute there. It's a family name on my mom's side of the family, and we wanted to honor them by including that, the extra name there. Our newest arrival, Naomi Anastasia, her name, her first name, Naomi, means sweetness. And her middle name, Anastasia, means resurrection. And we trust that these names are not just nice names for our kids to have, but that they will be purposeful and help them to know God more because of them. You know, here at Branch Life Church, we were deliberate in naming our church as well. And what all went into the name of our church? The exciting thing about the name of our church, Branch Life Church, is that it captures really what God wants his church to be all about and what he wants it to be central to, his, to a church's identity. And we're going to talk today a little bit about our name as a church and why it helps us understand why church is so important to God and why it's his plan for us and the world. And this name of the church, Branch Life, comes from a specific verse in in John 15. It comes from a few places, but it says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And we're going to kind of think about this verse and how we get our name, Branch Life, from it. The first thing there is the, uh, the phrase there, I am the vine, you are the branches. This is Jesus that's talking about it. And so Jesus is saying, I am the vine. And you are the branches, a branch that, that's connected to the vine, a branch that's, that's centered in the vine, Jesus. And so the, the first thing that branch life reminds us about is this idea that the church starts with Jesus. You can't have a church without having Jesus, without his work on the cross on our behalf, without his rising from the the grave, without his establishing of the church on on his identity. You heard earlier Pastor Bill explain from um, Matthew chapter 16 about I on this rock, speaking of Jesus, will build my church. The church starts with Jesus. And there's another truth that, that goes right along with that, and it's this, that that a church without Jesus is dead. A church without Jesus is dead. If you had some type of thing that, that, that called itself a church and, and that, but they never talked about Jesus, they never engaged other people with Jesus, that wouldn't be a church at all. That would be something very different. A church without Jesus has no life in it. It's been cut off from the vine. A branch without the vine is just kindling. So the question for us today and for you today is this. Are you connected to Jesus? Are you connected to Jesus? Do you have a life that is coming from Jesus, that's provided by him, and that is sustained by him? For us as a church, we have to ask the question, is our church connected to to Jesus? And the primarily, 
the way that we do that is by having the church, which is people that are connected with Jesus. The Bible is very clear about how we have this type of life-giving and life-sustaining connection with Jesus. We acknowledge that we have moved away from God's perfect design and His standards, and we have sinned against Him. And that sin has brought brokenness and difficulty into our life, and we face the prospect of God's punishment and eternity separated from Him. And yet, God knows that all of our efforts to fix that brokenness in our life are, do not accomplish the goal. And in fact, they take us further away from God's design. And so he entered in to fix what we cannot. And he sent his son Jesus, who lived the perfect life, died on the cross in our place to pay the penalty for our sins, and then rose again to new life to show that the brokenness has been defeated, that sin and death and the consequences are gone, and we can have life with God that lasts forever through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and we believe with our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. We would invite you today, if you do not yet have this connection to Jesus, that you would place your faith and your life in Jesus and lean on him to give you this spiritual life that lasts forever. You can find out more about how to do this and, and a prayer that maybe you could use some of the words. It's not the prayer that saves you, but it's your belief. At our website, though, you can find out more at branchlife.church and visit the gospel card there. So this is the life of a branch. It's a life that's connected to Jesus. And we want that, that connection to be as strong as possible. So we ask, like, like, what does every little branch aspire to do? It's fun asking kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? So what does, what does every branch want to be when it grows up? What does it aspire to do? Well, our verse, John 15, verse 5, gives us a little clue there. And it says, again, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What branches aspire to do, what they, they long to do with their life is to bear much fruit. That's what they're created for. That's what they're intended to do is to bring forth fruit. And so then we have to ask ourselves the question, how do branches bear much fruit? How can we live up to this aspiration? What, what needs to happen? Our verse gives us a little bit of a clue there. And it says, here's, here's what it is to bear much fruit. You abide in me. You remain in me. You stay with Jesus. And we can go on and say, okay, what, what does that in particular mean? Or what does that particular look like? In our extended passage here in John 15, Jesus says, okay, here's how you do that. This is what it looks like to do that says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Keeping the commandments of Jesus, doing what he says, living the life 
is shows us how we can keep that strong connection with Jesus. Now, there's lots of things that Jesus instructed and, and gave commandments about, but I, I want to focus in on three of them, and I think we find three of these at least hinted at in our text today and in the surrounding verses of John 15. So we, we say, okay, what commandments are some that Jesus had in mind? And the first one is the, the great commandment, the great commandment, or the greatest commandment. In Mark, Jesus records these words, and he says there, the most important, he's responding to, to a gentleman that's asking questions. He said, what's the, the most important commandment is this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The great commandment, the greatest commandment is, is loving God and loving other people. Our, our passage talks about this in verses 9 and 10. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. So God's love is central to what we do. We need to, to love God. One way that we can tell if we love someone is, do we love the things that that person loves? Do you love what God loves? One of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3.16, says that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, and he has there the idea that, that he loved people. We're in a series about the church matters. And God loves the church. In fact, I would say you, you can't really call yourself a Christian and, and not love what he loves in regards to the church. It's kind of a, a package deal. He sent his son to die for the church to give the church life and to make the church pure and clean and to be with him forever. Do you love what God loves? The other part of it talks about loving your neighbor. And again, we kind of see this show up in 1 John 15, or in John 15, excuse me, it says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has this than no one, that no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Loving our neighbors is what God also loves. And so when we want to live out this commandment of, of loving God and, and loving our neighbors, loving our friends, loving other people, that is one of the commandments that, that God wants us to have as, as being the, the life of the branch of being connected to the vine. So I ask the, the, the question of you today, do you sacrificially love your friends and neighbors? Jesus is the ultimate example. He gave not just uh, sacrificially through his ministry, but ultimately he gave his very life for the sake of other people. Are you willing to give in a dramatic, sacrificial way to love your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your extended family? Will you give sacrificially? If you want to be a branch that stays connected to Jesus, 
you obey and you love your neighbors in a sacrificial way. The next commandment that, that I think Jesus had in mind here is the Great Commission. And we've already talked about that through a little bit through our interview with, with Pastor Bill. But to highlight what that says again, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. Here Jesus gives the marching orders for his church. He gives the marching orders for us as believers, his people, that we are to go and to make disciples. We are to share the good news about Jesus. And we're to, to bring them in to the, the, the household of faith, to be part of the church, to, to have them declare their faith public through, the, through baptism. Not that baptism saves us, but it's a testimony of our surrender to God's plan for our life. And then we continue to teach and explain all of what Jesus has commanded us. In John 15, it, it talks about this and it says it this way. In, in verse 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Part of the fruit that God wants us to to bring forth in our life, when we're to bear, to, to, to produce much fruit as his branches, part of that fruit is making disciples, of bringing others to be followers of Jesus Christ. And yes, God is ultimately the one who saves, and it's ultimately his work of turning someone's heart. But he has enlisted us to declare the message of salvation through his son Jesus Christ as presented in his book, the Bible. At Branch Life Church, we talk a lot about how we do this. And, and the, the key strategy is this. It's very simple to understand. Pray, invest, invite. We'd encourage you to, to pray for at least one person, three or more people that do not yet know Jesus as Savior, that are not following Jesus, and that you would pray for them every day by name, that they would become followers of Jesus Christ. And then you would invest in their lives, that you would do acts of kindness, that you would give gifts, that you would seek to meet needs and invest in their lives, and then that you would invite them to follow Jesus that may take the form of inviting them to, to watch online and to watch uh, a service like this that you're watching right now. It may be to invite them out for coffee or, or to your home for a meal so you can get to know them and discuss things and, and see if God opens an opportunity to talk about the gospel. It may be inviting them in person to come to church and to, to worship with you. And ultimately, at some point, it's going to include the invitation to say, will you follow Jesus? We want our church to be passionate about this matter of obedience, of living out the great commission of making disciples by praying, investing, and inviting. The third command and, and that's found in here is some teachers and, and preachers in that call it the great collaboration. 
So we've talked about the great commandment of loving God and loving others. We've talked about the great commission of making disciples. And now we talk about the great collaboration. And we're going to return to this idea of, of loving your neighbor and loving others. It says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me. This is from John 17, a few chapters in the, uh, coming up. And Jesus is praying and, and he says, I pray for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus wants us to be at one with our fellow believers, and not just in some kind of like kumbaya or unity, like type of experience, but it's for the purpose of mission. We're to be one so that they, the world may believe that you have sent us. It's a, it's a, a unity, it's a collaboration, it's working together towards a goal. In John chapter 15, verse 17, it says, these things I command you so that you love one another. I'm commanding all of these things so that you would love one another, so that you would continue on on this mission of making disciples, of loving God and loving other people, and that you would work together. Probably our, our favorite phrase here at Branch Life is this idea of being better together. Better together. We believe that we are better together. As we seek to connect people to Jesus Christ and then to go out and reach our world to bear much fruit, that is not a solo mission. We are not sending you out just to do that on your own, but we are sending you out with a congregation, with a church family that is committed to helping and assisting and praying for and investing in all of the people that we are trying to reach together. And then we also believe that we are better together with the other churches that are trying to do the same thing in our area. Where God is working, where the gospel is being preached, we want to celebrate and encourage. And this is not something that, that is just up to Branch Life Church, but we are better together. The idea of being better together is central to who God is in himself. Somehow in the mystery of the Trinity, there's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, and they work together, and it's a picture of how we are supposed to work together for the mission of letting the world know that we're Jesus followers. At Branch Life Church, the idea behind our name, the purpose behind our name is this. The life of the branch is one that is connected to Christ and that it can go out and reach our world. And the stronger our connection is to Jesus, the further our reach can go and the more fruit that can come about because of it. 
and the values and the commands and the ideas that are central to how we keep that connection to Christ strong and becoming stronger relate to these ideas that are found in John 15 that we've talked about today. That we would love God. That we would talk to Him. That we would hear from Him. That we would worship Him. That our lives would be centered around Him. And then that would motivate us to love our neighbors and to be generous towards them. That we would be involved in the great commission of making disciples and not just being nice people, but that we would go on and that we would invite people to follow Jesus and that God would use us in bringing many people into his kingdom. And then thirdly, this idea of, of working together in great collaboration. That we are better together. And that our connection to Christ can be strengthened when we're together with other believers and participating in life together with them. But also that our reach and our fruit and the impact that we're having in the world around us can be stronger and greater when we're better together. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be laying out kind of some of more of the, the foundational ideas of our church. Things like what we believe and, and kind of how the, the, the different roles that exist within our church to accomplish the mission. But foundational to it all is this idea of living the branch life. Being connected to our vine, Jesus, who is the start, who's the head, who is everything that the church is about and then living the life as a branch that he has for us i'd love to to hear how you plan on seeking to bear fruit maybe this week and i invite you to, to take a few moments and to fill out the connection card and let us know how you are going to seek to bear fruit especially related to these three commands of the the, the great command, the great commission, and the great collaboration. Let me pray for you and pray for our church that we would bear much fruit this week as we abide in Jesus. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these reminders. God, help us to internalize it. God, our life that we have with you is because of Jesus, and we're so thankful for him. God, help us to see that our life is started by Jesus and it's sustained by Jesus and everything that that you give to us comes from him help us as individuals and as a church to be committed to Jesus and living the type of life that he would have for us that we would bear much fruit and that we would see many people come to know Jesus as savior we ask in this week that you would give us opportunities to live on that mission, and to carry out the life of a branch connected with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you, and may God bring forth much fruit in your life this week.